Okay, hello and welcome everybody. This is Ben Shirboga, the head of growth at Dexel, coming to you with another BOL Business of Law Fireside chat. If this is the first time that you are tuning we're super excited to have you. Um, the Business of Law Fireside Chat is really my opportunity to sit down with a advisor, luminary, uh, practicing law firm partner, business development, marketing advisor, um, anybody really who has their uh, fingers on the pulse of what is happening today within the Business of Law uh, podcast and uh I am super, super excited uh, to be sitting down with Trent Blackett, which is the uh, uh, who's the co-founder of EMT Partners, and we're going to get into a little bit into what EMT Partners does, but just high level, uh, EMT Partner basically is part advisory, part law firm, part investment arm that really specializes in entertainment, media, sports, and technology. Trent, welcome to the um uh, BOL podcast. Thank you very much, Ben. It's a pleasure to speak with you today. So let's uh, let's kick off. I think with a little bit of a potted bio. Um, uh, we're talking today about EMT because EMT really has a very interesting uh, structure, a uh, part law firm. Uh, but before we kick off and get a little bit into the substance today, why don't we go into exactly who is Trent? Um, what uh, what what's 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 of interest today? Where where are we uh, in terms of Trent's world? And really, what's uh, what's what's relevant today uh, uh, in your world as the co-founder of uh, EMT? Uh, thank you, Ben. Well, firstly, just for context and, and background, uh, that the listeners may be able to tell some of them in any case that, that I'm Australian. Uh, so I'm actually doing this podcast uh, from Melbourne, Australia, uh, where I live now and where EMT Partners was founded and headquartered, notwithstanding that we have businesses and clients in North America and overseas, which I'll come back to later. Um, but just going back a few steps, uh, I started my, my legal career uh, in Melbourne and uh, up until the age uh, of 30, uh, at which point I moved to California, uh, where I lived for 14 years. And we can go into that journey a little late, later on, Ben. But uh, essentially, uh, it was really off the back of my 14 years in California that I started to think about what sort of professional services model um, should exist uh, in this region. And uh, many, many learnings from great American firms that I that really I trust and respect, uh, such as Cooley, and I'm happy to give a particular shout out to right. one of the partners, Dave Young, um, who I think is one of the, the best practitioners in the country, uh, as well as some of my other former partners in my core business, which was principally headquartered in Beverly Hills in California. Um, Greg Cease, uh, who's now in Alabama, is, is another uh, great colleague and mentor of mine who's a great attorney. And um, we, we had a great experience together at a firm in Century City in California, Glazer Weil. And so it's been, it's really uh, today, it's, it's me sort of taking and borrowing from my experience with great attorneys and non-attorneys on the business side in the United States that helped to shape EMT Partners, which we can get into what that does um, when we get through your questions. Yeah, perfect. So, um that's that's a really great sort of pot of background, and I know that uh, you're being brief. Uh, there's so much probably to unpack there. I would have, you know, your 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 time at Cooley, um, all that time, sort of seeing kind of the evolution really of law firms. Um, yeah, I think maybe a good place to start before we sort of get into EMT specifically is 
what are your reflections? You know, basically you've, you, you, you've been in the legal industry for the better part of 10, 15, probably uh, 20 years you've been practicing. You've sort of seen this, 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 this uh, bubbling up or this emergence of kind of new thinking around uh, the business of law and specifically around the practice of law. And, and then we'll get into EMT and the evolution of that. But what's, what's your reflection as you sort of sit uh, in 2022 about uh, where the management of law firms and what have you learned over this course of period of time that you, know, you think is, is relevant? Yeah, I guess just for context, my reflections come from a variety of sources. And to, to your point, you know, I've been practicing law for 23 years. I'm, I'm 46. And in across those 23 years, because I've worn both legal and non-legal hats uh, and, and the hats of varying descriptions, which I'll just describe for context now, you know, I've been on the advisory side as in helping clients, um, but equally I've been on the other side, you know, being... Uh, an investor in other businesses uh, and being an advisor to other businesses or, or and or board members with various businesses in a non-legal capacity. I've worn the hat on many, many times and instances as being the client. And so my, my reflections derive from sort of a, a two-part perspective. It's, you know, how mm -hmm. do I think about the, the law firms and lawyers and the management of law firms, but equally, how do I think about you know, the businesses and the companies and the clients. And I think that's been, for me personally, it's a great word that you use, reflections. Uh, it's really put me in a very strong position to to think very laterally about what both sides of the fence want and where they're heading. And, you know, if you look at, as I said, we've agreed, we'll talk about MT Partners later, but just in, in, in very broad terms, if you look at the firm today, if you literally if you just walked into the office here or if you walked in to see the teams in in the United States or elsewhere, uh -huh. what you physically see is, you know, lawyers uh, and corporate advisors and investment analysts and the like, you know, all, all sitting under one roof and all, albeit they're sort of segmented for, for privacy reasons. Uh -huh. uh, the, the, fact, the fact that they just sort of can coexist and learn from each other, um, you know, comparatively to my former journey, which is, uh -huh. uh, which is, I'm not saying this not as a good thing or a bad thing, but, sure. but you know, for the most part, you know, most lawyers and attorneys uh, are just 100% of their time is with other lawyers and attorneys. And, you know, that's obviously essential to the practice of great law and, and, and ethical law and the like. But uh, going forward, to, to again, to borrow from one of your other phrases, is the management mm -hmm. of law firms. I think it's a super exciting period for, for law firms um, and, and many others will grow like EMT where they get involved in other activities. Um, and it, it, if nothing else, just the diversity of the perspectives you can gain from thinking mm -hmm. about about legal and uh, and related issues in a non-legal sense, I, I think it just actually ultimately ends in better outcomes for all concerned. And so my, my reflections, uh, to, in, in summary, uh, it, it's very valuable if you think about the key stakeholders, firstly, the lawyers and the attorneys mm -hmm. themselves and the clients. I think it's it's very valuable that that particularly on the practitioner side, that to the extent that they can be involved in not just sitting at their desk drafting documents and they get broader exposure, I think everyone wins from that scenario. And that's really to the extent that we've sort of thought about how to shape and build and grow AMC partners. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's, that's that, you know, it's so crucial. Today, I feel like there's been a 10-year evolution on what it means to be client-centric or putting the client first. And I think what you're pointing at is really this idea that, you know, at the end of the day, 
law firms, if they're really going to advise the client, really just can't be in silos just doing the legal work. They truthfully need context, and context is key. And I think what you're pointing at is this idea that you know integrating uh, integrating law firms into into the working workflows of business, especially in a business environment that is changing so rapidly. Um, I know that's sort of a cliche at this point in time, but I think everybody feels it. Um, only integrating lawyers into sort of those workflows and into the business um, is how they can really start to actually give legal advice, uh, but also just really add value to, to businesses. Is that sort of a good summary of, of, of sort of it's the sentiment good. of and, the, and just, the evolution? You know, just to use practical examples, you know, at the top co of EMC partners, you know, one of our shareholders is a firm uh, called Cornwalls. It, it's yeah. uh, in two parts. It's a law firm, but they have a, a, a corporate advisory arm called Cornwalls Capital, which essentially, oh. you know, is doing capital raises, M&A and the like. And if you think about it, just if you walk into their office, you've got a great M&A lawyer sitting in the room uh, working on, you know, sell-side transaction. And then, you know, two doors down with the door yeah. closed, you've got uh, Cornwalls Capital you know, M&A, cap raising corporate advisor who's sitting there thinking about the financial models and the clients and the outcomes. You know, right. when those two people go and sit on the couch together, separated by 10 metres, and albeit, you know, the, the attorney's keeping the attorney items, you know, quiet, sure. Sure. they're just thinking about a transaction from both sides. It, the, the knowledge base on, on both fronts for both people uh, goes up you know, so quickly. And and I find that personally very exciting. And, and you know, you, there are a lot of barriers you need to put in place and have to be very careful with, with privacy and, and ethics and conflicts and the like. But when, when they're done appropriately and those two people are in a position to just learn from each other, you uh -huh. know, it's sort of a, I sort of regard that as a one plus one equals three scenario. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's, I think, a really good gateway into EMT partners. Um, so I'm going to read out the... Um, the uh, the heroes the hero section of the tombstone however you want to basically on the landing page and it goes EMT Partners specializes in entertainment media sport and technology advice through EMT lawyers and EMT advisory we are principal investor investors in the sectors and understand the critical importance of delivering fast accurate and strategic solutions to our clients I really like those last three words because it sort of harkens back to what we were just talking about right in terms of fast accurate and strategic strategic. Um, and really, I think the point is, is getting integrated into businesses um, is really the way that you can provide fast, accurate and strategic solutions. So I want to ask about EMT partners. We can go a million different ways. But, um, you know, first and foremost, I think before before just getting into getting into the maybe the, the general business, it's general differentiator. Um, why entertainment, media, sport, and technology? Any, 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 uh, any um, specific reason around those sectors, uh, particular history? Yeah, tell us a little bit about the backstory there. Yeah, really, it, it, there's one reason, and, and thank you for asking, Ben. It's essentially, if you, if you look at uh, who controls the firm and, and all equally who works for the firm, uh -huh. every, every single person... Uh, in the entire firm, irrespective of where they're sitting and in which country they're sitting, um, you know they've had uh, a meaningful participation in those sectors, um, mm -hmm. both professionally and personally. You know, it. it so you know, from my own um, journey, it, it's been essentially a career in those sectors. You know, our CEO, the same, the board members, a lot of the investors, and so essentially, we, we just set up a firm to play to our strengths particularly because we understand 
how the key stakeholders in those four industries think and how they operate and what they need. And uh-huh. you know, many might argue that it's kind of crazy to establish a firm that's limited to four sectors amongst you know probably a hundred that are out there. <laughs> but but we see it in the reverse. We, you know we, right. we we think that deep industry specialisation is essential. Um, that's sort of the business answer, if you will. And then I guess just the personal and sort of lifestyle answer, which is also imperative, is that all of us love the EMT and sports sectors. You know, it's it's they're 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 fun and they're full of great creatives and great people, and mm-hmm. and, and and we just like being a part of it. And so essentially, we've made a, a very fixed and firm decision to stick to these industries. the The only time that we move outside of these four industries is if indeed a particular client or investment partner is from another industry, uh, for example, property, but they have a requirement within media, for example. And so that's that's the deviation point. And so a shorter way of answering your question, Ben, is, you know, we we know what we're talking about and and we love the industry and we're just going to keep it that simple and focus on those two items side by side all day long. Awesome. So let's um let's get a little bit deeper into EMT and really EMT kind of as a business. You you've given some interesting flashes around, you know, there's an advisory arm, of course, and then there's a there's a legal arm, of course. Can you dig a little bit deeper into just fleshing that out really sort of like specifically? Maybe what how is the how is the business set up? How and how does this advisory legal arm sort of play with one another? And I don't know, you can you can use a you can use a great maybe use case or or a great deal that you can talk about but yeah can you clarify a little bit about how these two arms especially especially think about somebody like most of our audience are lawyers practicing in the in in just basically a, a straight law firm providing services into the clients uh, maybe maybe bridge that gap for them in terms of how these two arms play, play together on a day-to-day basis Michelle, do thank you, Ben. And to, to your most recent point, the core of this business is law. Um, the, the other items and, and areas are, are not just add-ons for the sake of it. They're important mm-hmm. standalone units, but but the law firm is core. And so to answer your question, I'll answer it in two parts. The structure, which is essential for compliance and governance, um, ethics and conflict management reasons, is quite simple. The EMT Partners is top co, if you will. Uh, and Topco wholly owns all the other businesses, you know, the, the 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 legal businesses, the advisory businesses, and the investment businesses. And our shareholders all sit at Topco, and, and that was done such that everyone can contribute their own different perspectives and intel and connections that benefit the entire group, not just one. And and so that's the overall picture. I sort of, if people ask me, it's you know, use it sort of as a, the, the elevator pitch, if you will, mm-hmm. I call it the threes it's it's again a very simple proposition from our view it's you know we're in we're in the the three industries you know it just entertainment media and tech hence the brand obviously sport is naturally integrated into all of those three all day long mm. we operate in three regions where our clients are and where our investments and projects are those three regions are australia new zealand uh, asia pack which is principally sort of hong kong malaysia singapore and, and some mainland china deals uh, and north america and of north america it's probably at, at least at this point which may change you know it's probably i've never done the math exactly but best guess it's probably 85 percent the united states and 15 percent canada yep and then and then with respect to the three units itself and how we think and i'll start with the law given that that is the relevant audience today so the the law firm you think about it insofar as like who are our clients 
we, we try and keep, again, obviously within the parameters of conflicts and, and have to be very careful as to who we're representing on various deals. We, we try and make the firm available to essentially the entire industry. So mm. let's just focus on, for, for a minute, sort of entertainment and media and leave technologies to the side for a minute, which I'll come back to. Whether you are an entertainer, whether you are uh, an executive within an entertainment media firm, whether you are an investor within those sectors, you may be an entrepreneur that's starting a business in those sectors. All the way down the line, we've tried to build a firm with different sets of legal expertise that understand how all of those stakeholders think, um, uh -huh. again, industry experience, so that we can help them, per the words you kindly read out, that we can help them very, very quickly. Uh, and and so that's that's sort of how we think about the clients. And equally, the same applies to technology. It doesn't matter whether you're a technology investor or technology founder, whether you're buying a technology company, uh, so on and so forth. We, we've structured the firm such that we understand and can speak to the various moving parts. The, mm -hmm. the particular niche, though, is – and I would sort of say this sort of just very candidly, I think if we were to just compete directly in Australia or directly in, in Singapore or directly in the United States mm. uh, alongside many other wonderful firms, including the ones that I've mentioned, such as Cooley and Bradley and others, I, I think candidly we would struggle. Um, our, our, our strong suit is really clients that have requirements in multiple jurisdictions and multiple territories. Our... our mm. The, the phrase we use, Ben, is cross-border. Right. People come to us principally because they have various cross-border requirements simultaneously. Uh -huh. And because a lot of us have worked and lived and practiced in many of the jurisdictions, you know, we, we have a strong cross-border sort of awareness filter, if you will, and capacity to assist. And so we try and, uh, I, I guess, operate and or, you know, promote ourselves as cross-border legal specialists and, and less so domestic um, just very briefly with respect, and I'm happy to come back to those points if you wish, Ben, uh -huh, and uh -huh, uh -huh. respect to the other two divisions. Yeah. Again, quite straightforward. Uh, on the advisory front, we do two things. We, number one is we, because of our core work in the law on the other sectors, we principally focus on structuring deals where financiers, brands and talent end up in business together. And we think about how to structure those deals commercially. Uh, we, we do that really off the back of a lot of us having some experience representing talent, be it sort of in our capacity as lawyers or managers or otherwise. Right. Um, but this is regular sort of corporate advice. Uh, and then the second thing we do, again, limited to these sectors, is, you know, we, we run a small M&A team, you know, by, both sort of buy and sell side. Uh, mm -hmm which means the investment business, we we make ourselves available to invest both in our clients' businesses and our non-clients' businesses. And okay. non-client businesses is very straightforward. You know, it's it's opportunities that, for the most part, come to us from our network and we run a quick DD and decide if we're going to, to write a check, if you will. Okay. Uh, it's mostly cash-based and we're small investors. We're not big investors at this point. Um, there have been limited instances whereby we've operated on a sweat equity basis, but we do prefer a cash basis. Mm -hmm. um, and and then with respect to the client investing in the client's businesses, that's a that's a longer, more complicated story and business to run. There was a, a fabulous piece written uh, out of Harvard in the year 2000, which was titled Lawyers as Venture Capitalists. Right. You know, yeah. appreciate conflict probably is the first uh, prerequisite to, to think about how to actually do that and then thereafter some other important governance matters. But 
But in short, if done properly, there is a way to invest in your clients' businesses. Uh-huh. And, and we like to do that. We think that it fundamentally changes the dynamics, albeit that we're investing through separate entities um, into a client's business because it's not just, you know, the traditional that the attorneys are sending the invoice and collecting the checks. If you right. if, if you front up and express confidence in the founder or the board and, and you're prepared to write a check, I personally think, and, you know, there, there are mixed opinions in this regard, that, that that it is good for the relationship as such. You know, it can get right. tricky, of course, um, and, 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 you know, in some instances, if it does get tricky, you know, the law firm may have to resign or otherwise. Um, to, to date, for us, that hasn't actually happened yet, but but it, in theory can happen. Uh, and and just finally, the cross-border remarks that I made apply equally uh-huh. to all three divisions. We, right. if we right. If we were to compete with other fabulous investors in Australia or California standalone for a business in that region, um, we would probably struggle, uh, again, candidly. I think, though, that when businesses are growing quickly and they're operating in our three regions and they can come to us and we can add value as investors uh, in in those three regions cross-border, again, it sort of it, it makes it, A, more interesting for us and, B, uh, you know, b- better for our partners. And I'll pause there, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So much to go into, um, Rich. Rich, I want to ask two questions. The first, the first is sort of about the benefits to the client. So I, I, I'm going to try to tee this up, but I, th- I know that you'll probably understand what I'm trying to say. Which is, you know, from the perspective of the clients looking into EMT, so often lawyers let's say in a traditional sort of law firm so often clients coming to 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 a lawyer that lawyer will typically have many many relationships from the perspective of let's say advisory work from corporate advisory work or let's say M&A work from a corporate investor but those structures will in some ways be outside of course the traditional confines of the law firm you know it's always done to me and just sense sense check me here it's like in some sense yes you know those deals or or that that you know that that deal that client is really coming for many things above and beyond sort of like legal work i mean if of course i mean to be very specifically you know if they're coming to you uh to do an M&A deal they're also looking for a banker and they're also looking for sort of an advisor to sort of carry them it's always sort of seemed like you know to the for the benefit of the client uh, having all three of those things in one house can basically provide a very, very interesting value proposition. And then just one extra layer of complexity that I'm sure you'll pick up on. It's like whenever you do that in a cross-border basis, you know, on a cross on a cross-border basis, you know, that that starts to be a lot of layers of complexity in some sense, you know, going to just one shop or just going to one sort of advisor bank, you know, starts to provide a lot of extra use. Is Am I sort of in general, sort of, if I'm from the client perspective, or what you're hoping you're representing back to the client? Is that what clients are sort of getting from from that from this structure, and sort of maybe some of the basis for for why this was all set up? Yeah, thank you. They are, and a lot of it actually is derives from from the practitioners themselves, uh, irrespective of the team that the actual needing the three teams. So we try right. and choose. Yeah. Oh, the, right. Interesting. You, yeah. You, wow, wow. Yeah. You, you would appreciate many firms call themselves multidisciplinary, including the big majors, KPMG and others. If you uh, think about EMT partners, we, we try and choose people themselves uh, 
uh, that are multi-dimensional as opposed to sort of multidisciplinary right. and multi-dimensional by way of their history. So not not to just make it all about one person, but just for the sake of sort of ease of reference and context, you yeah. know, our EMT partner's CEO, Peter Davey. So in, in his career, he's worn three hats. He's been, he's been a corporate lawyer in Australia. Um, he then uh-huh. uh, worked at a, at a New York firm uh, and, and practiced law in New York. He then shifted into investment banking in TMT sectors, Bory uh, uh-huh. Bank, uh-huh. um, and then went into Corp Dev M&A um, at the listed Village Roadshow, which has got you know assets in Australia, the United States, and, and, and Asia. And so if you think about he's sort of seen it all, if you will, from all sides. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So if, if a client were to call him about a legal matter on an M&A, then he, he could sort of delve into his own multidimensional experience, but then to the extent that if if he feels as though he needs some sort of added knowledge from people that are like, as an example, just doing M and A and or and or just doing investment and not thinking about the law, then from the client's perspective, he can sort of walk down the hallway as such. But that that's part A of the answer. Part part uh-huh. of the answer is uh, think of it this way: many clients can walk through this office and and over time engage with all three businesses, but usually not at once. And so I'll give you, right. you asked for sort of a specific example. I won't name the name of the company, but we, we had a client recently who acquired a business in sort of theatre and live event marketing uh, out of London. And mm-hmm. that that bit, the, the mandate started at EMT Partners as sort of a corporate M&A strategic thinking, chess moves, non-legal mandate. And, right. and advice was provided in that regard. At, at the point in time that it became quite apparent that there was a deal to be done, the and sort of the corporate chess moves were over, then it sort of shifted and that mandate sort of expired, if you will. It shifted to the team providing sort of corporate legal M&A advice. Then, uh-huh. then when the deal, the long forms were done and the lawyers sort of, you know, p- packed up their bags and went home uh-huh. and the client, um, then had sort of acquired the business, if you will. You know, six months later, that particular client, uh, alongside a new partner, thought about expanding their business and wanted to add some some new investments and some new investment opportunities to their business. And so, you know, suddenly we found ourselves with respect to sort of the, in, the investment team looking at it from the perspective of, well, now that those two mandates are completely finished, you know, should we think about actually helping them as investors? And so I just wanted to stress the point that to, to going back to your your principal question as to sort of how does it work with the clients, it, it's highly effective, but usually it's highly effective in sequence, not simultaneously. Simultaneously yeah. is, is extremely difficult from a conflict perspective uh, amongst yeah. others. Um, but you know we take a long, very long lead view of our client relationships, and so you know if 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 all three divisions of EMC partners get activated over two, three, four, five year period, then then that's just fine. That means the system is working. But but equally, mm. uh, we don't l- love or dislike any clients any less if they're only interested in one division. Mm. Mm. Yeah, maybe it, maybe a really really short and curt uh, almost way of saying this is uh, is uh, you, you're, you're there to grow with your clients effectively, be it above and beyond uh, doing a deal. You're, you're really there for the entire client life cycle in, in that perspective um, as, 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 as clients grow and the business uh, sort of matures in, in every way. Yes, and on that note, Ben, with the, the reason that is correct, apart from it just being a personal preference of mine and many mm. of many 
colleagues is that we're not a volume business. Uh, you know, we're not we're not building a three thousand headcount right. legal form here. Yeah, right. we're, we're building, uh, and the business is growing very quickly. But you know, we're building uh, a, a very a, a people use the word boutique. I would sort of call it probably in the wash up post when we get to sort of full maturity. You know, mm. we've been just for real context. You know, we're, we're building sort of a, a, a really sort of elite hundred person firm, not a not not mm. a not a global not a global giant. And so mm-hmm. in, in building a business of that size, um, it, it's it's essentially imperative to the extent that it's controllable that, that we mm-hmm. have long-standing relationships, not more right. short transactional relationships. Yes, yeah, totally, totally. Okay, so I had two questions if we, if we were about rewind back about, about 10 minutes. So the first was that question about the client side and really sort of how the how the, how the client's journey really uh, feels like within EMT. And I think we probably just barely scratched the surface, but you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do our best here with a 30 minute podcast. The second is actually, I have a question about the partners and let's just say the individual contributors and the, um, and the employees within, within EMT. So I'm just going to set this up a little bit, but you know, it seems to me that from the perspective of, um, let's just take it from a lawyer perspective, it almost seems like with the three branches, the employees and the partners really have this opportunity to um, just move laterally, I guess, for lack of a better word. I wonder if, you know, as, as a former lawyer of myself who, you know, hit 30 and basically, you know, really sort of wanted to move laterally. I moved as laterally as possible and I moved into the tech uh, and starting tech companies. Uh, that was a very lateral move, of course. But it seems like from a, from a career standpoint, EMT also offers some benefits uh, for lawyers Um I guess many business advisors can't move into law, but I guess I guess lawyers can, of course, move into business advisory advisory services. But nevertheless, it sort of offers much more lateral movement. Is that is that something that's sort of core to EMT or anything that you that you all think about? Yeah, lateral. It's it's lateral. It's very flat. Now now for compliance reasons, there of course there there are sort of strict all oh, chart right. procedures. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it's 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 you know in a in in the context of the actual room itself or rooms, it's it's a it's a it's a you know it's run like a family. It's everyone has a voice. Um, you know that so you know leaving aside who has sign off etc. But right. but with respect to the lawyers or the attorneys' journey, sort of two things. You know, firstly. To to date, we've had zero staff turnover, which is, you know, really pleases me greatly. But if I think about when the firm really grows and all of the attorneys grow within the firm, you know, it is natural that people um, will will get inspired by and seek new challenges. And so on the Uh point of sort of expanding the lateral thought, one thing that might please me in time and and I probably would readily expect is if an attorney who'd been practising principally in technology law developed a great relationship in a few years' time and the, with, with a technology company and there was an opportunity for that technology company to, to you know, expand the general counsel team. I, I can I can well foresee, you know, some of the lawyers here that might want to switch gears and either be sort uh-huh. of you know, full-on in-house uh, at a particular client's business or or maybe some hybrid model. It's sort of, it's sort of an outsourced general counsel role but through EMT. And so... I'm I'm personally open and embrace like all forms of lateral, even if it's sort of in theory it looks like it's on the surface to the detriment of the firm. Because I, I just think mm-hmm. that if you think about and prioritise people's journeys um, and and properly listen to like actually what they want and and you, counter argument Ben is 
some some people in fairness, and there's probably a lot of attorneys and lawyers like this that I've met over the years, mm. many of whom are friends. Some of them, at least now, they don't they don't seek nor do they want lateral. Um, and mm. you, you know, you need to think about systems and procedures that that allow for that too. But but whilst that is important, I I do focus on the lateral first and sort of the the, the specific second, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so we're coming to to the end here. I want to ask one more question and sort of like wrap up. So, you know, I don't have an elegant way to answer to to ask this question. So, so you know, there's many another big theme of law firms, of course, over or maybe not, of course, but but what what seems to be is this this idea of the evolving law firm management structure now i notice within emt there's a um there is a chairman and there's a ceo and uh, i'm assuming that maybe there's operation folks etc cetera, etc cetera. there there over the last 10 years there's really been a very big trend to bring in let's say professionalized management within to law firms and arguably some people make the case that um, that professionalized management is kind of what is needed uh, to sort of really develop and continue to develop law firms uh, to capture the demand that's there um, arguably um, how does EMT think about management from the perspective of the fact that it has, you know, an advisory arm, it has an M&A arm, an, an investment arm, and then, of course, a, a, a legal arm. And then sort of practically, who, how, how, how does the management structure sort of work with to, to, to manage each one of these sort of very related but, but sometimes different sort of like workflows and, and, and of course, sort of advisory arms of, of EMT? Is that question clear? Clear indeed. Answer is very straightforward. It's a great question. It's, it's one that I've thought about a lot and, and mm. did think about a lot prior to actually establishing this structure. The, the, the top co, which if you recall from my early remarks, um, which wholly owns all of the businesses, um, and you refer to the chairman, is is governed by and, and run by people that are speak to all of those skill sets, so as in lawyers and non-lawyers. And, and I regard that as essential. You know, ultimately, you have to ask yourself, like, wh what is this? This is a company, this is a business, and you need business people and company people to, to run it, to grow it, to stabilise it, um, you know, downside protect it and everything in between. If, if you think then, and and, and that that's, that's highly unlikely to change. Uh, mm. If you sort of go down to the law firm, you know, the, the law firm is ultimately run by lawyers um, uh -huh. now. And, 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 of course, the legal files are run by lawyers. But um, what, what practically happens if you look at the, the org structure is that whilst the law firm itself is run by lawyers, because the law firm is wholly owned by a non-legal firm, there is a significant opportunity for the lawyers and non-lawyers to communicate and consult and think about, you know, everything down to very linear issues like how, how do you probably grow and scale correctly, just thinking about budgeting and timetables and the like that are that are commercial skills that are not legal skills. And so from my perspective, so long as you have you know, great legal leaders and great, you know, corporate leaders sitting there listening to each other carefully and learning from each other, you'll get the right result. But, uh, and, and I'm personally delighted to see many non-lawyers working in a lot of the major international firms that we're friends yeah. with and collaborate with and refer files to. I, I think those, I think that if you think about ultimately the people, um, and I won't name names, but, but you know, large firms that have got many thousands of employees, ha having non-legal people either in the in the role of the CEO or otherwise, um, uh -huh. it, it's it, it's highly specific to the person. 
but but I think for for the staff itself, I, I think that it, it creates some enormous benefits. Um, wow. You know, that being said, uh, ultimately legal decisions um, need to be made by lawyers, and that's that's the end of it. And so, if, I hope that answers your question, Ben. Yes, absolutely, it does. Well. I think, um, you know, this question about about management and what manages the business side of, uh, of, of, of a law firm and, you know, a, a, especially in a structure as innovative as sort of yours, um, this question, I think, is just going to be re- remain open. I'm super excited of where this goes. This is why this is the Business of Law podcast, because we're really excited about uh, this question and seeing where it goes moving forward in the future. Um, I just want to wrap up and see if you have any final remarks or anything that you thought that, uh, you know, the people should should hear about here, anything that you're inspired about whenever it comes to the management of, of law firms, law firm structures in general, sort of just the general vantage point of, of, uh, of legal as a business. Any, any final remarks that, uh, you know, sort of you, you think about and you think are interesting? Well, thank you, uh, and I've really enjoyed the conversation, Ben. Thank you. So, just two two concluding remarks. Firstly, and selfishly, uh, if if you're an attorney and and you're uh, you have a great passion for the EMT sectors, uh, you know, we'd love to know you. We we refer tons of work all the way around the world and collaborate heavily. We'd we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and then, secondly, Ben, just just with respect to the the future and the sort of con- overall concluding remark, you know, to to the extent that. And it's a it's a very sort of macro statement, you know. But to the extent that that lawyers are spending time learning from non lawyers and vice versa, to the extent that that grows as a theme, I think all all of industry is going to win. And you know that that's a key driver for us. And systematically, we're going to be doing everything we can to ensure practically that happens. So, uh, thank you, Ben. Thank you so much. Well, everybody, we're coming to the end of another Business of Law Fireside Chat. It was my distinct pleasure today to sit down with Trent Blackett, who is the co-founder of EMT Partners. We will put a link to EMT Partners in the show notes, uh, but you can go at emtpartners.com. AU, since it is an Australian-based uh, company uh, with uh, with hubs and offices around the world. Trent, thank you so much for sitting down on the Business of Law podcast. Let's do it again very, very soon. Thank you very much, Ben. Bye-bye. Cheers, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs>